soon I'm going to start singing along with those guys. Good. <laughs> Welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. How are you this morning, Stacey? Doing well. I am sitting in North Carolina today, so I don't have any travel till mid-February, so I'm really excited about the fact that I get to be home for a little bit, enjoying rainy but not too cold weather, so I will take that, and, and, and enjoying the morning music. It always gives me a little bit of a lift in the morning, so uh, I don't know if I'd ever start singing along with it. My singing voice isn't quite there, but... <laughs> yeah. Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumser, lead vocals. I found this old song the other day called Ragmop. Do you know that one? I do not know that one, no, huh? Oh, oh, this is the best. R A G G M O P P Ragmop, Ragmop, doodly doo doo, Ragmop, doodly doo doo. Anyhow. Uh, you oh, can I see that I haven't been on the road for I'm going a little stir crazy. And you are, you too. are, but but people should know that you actually have real musical talent. Like you play the guitar, right? Quite well. I, I do, right? I do, yeah. I do, I do. Maybe that'll be it next week. The fall John Sumner Musical Hour. That's I know people <laughs> are dying for that. I'm right, sure. I'll you know. sit in the background at home and do some some, some tambourines. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> the tambourines. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm going to um, to do a workshop with the conference board next week, and then I'm getting ready for the big event in the next month or so is the Recruiting Trends and Talent Technology Show yeah. in Las Vegas, which promises to be a really interesting look at the state of, of talent technology, and and I'm psyched about that. And you'll have to bring us uh, so, back details because the, the recruiting space is still hot. I mean, we are definitely seeing investments and a lot of, of people spending time and energy on what's happening in the recruiting space. So I'm sure it will be an exciting event to attend and share the information from. You know, my, my, my research in January has been deep into that area. And I now have a list of 50 different things automated with intelligent tools, I think it's getting really, really, really interesting. And the only way to make sense out of it is to have a clear idea of what you want to accomplish. Because there's no shortage little tiny gizmos that you can install in your recruiting system. <laughs> yes, exactly. So so is it what do you want to accomplish as a recruiting function or what do you want to accomplish in your recruiting output? And I think, what do you think it's going to be? Well, so it might be bigger than that, which is something like, how do you want to manage the company's interface with the labor market? And, and that question varies by company. It varies by industry. It varies by size. It varies by region. It varies by business model. And there are all sorts of ways to think about it and what you can sure is that there isn't one good way. This is one of those places. This this would be a good opportunity for our benchmark conversation. Right? Yeah. This, is, this is one of those places where benchmarking is useful for half. Yeah. But the other half, you're on your own. The idea that you can do better than getting the fundamentals that you don't really care about excelling at, right, with benchmarking is a non I think, because it's going to be so possible to customize your workflow to the problem that you're solving, that benchmarking ceases to be relevant. 
Well, and I think that, you know, it, for, for, and I think this is where what you're saying by the half, but, but my sense is that, and from the research that, you know, I've seen done in the market as well, you know, there's sort of like a, a, an expected standard level everyone has to hit, right? So I know this week we're onboarding a new employee, by the way, Amy Kurchetsky, someone who's uh, joining my organization. We're really excited about having her join and uh, as our new senior research analyst. And she basically, you know, is going through this process and it's interesting to watch it through her eyes because, you know, it's been a long time since I've done onboarding myself and, you know, the things that are just expected, you know, this being an electronic format, the technology being available like this, the the tools and the access to people being available in that environment, those are sort of standards you have to meet, even if you're a small company these days, right? And I think you have to at least understand where that baseline is and then sort of everything else after that may or may not be what makes you unique? I, I don't know. Are, are you sort of saying it's something different than that? Well, I think I think there are keeping up with the Joneses standards. So everybody has to have their lawn mown. If you've got fences in the neighborhood, everybody needs to paint their fence every five years or so. There's that sort of thing. But the, the way you decorate the inside of your house, the, the, that, you, you don't really want to decorate the inside of your everybody else's house. You may not want right? to decorate so, the outside of your house, yeah. Yeah, well, you may you may have a, a, a homeowners association that prohibits you from decorating the outside of your house. You know, there's all <laughs> sorts of things. Regulation plays a role. Um, the state of the art plays a role. But if you're if you are recruiting call center employees, you do different things than if you're recruiting strategic consultants. If yeah, you're onboarding okay. call center employees, you do that differently than if you're if you're onboarding Amy into into a very, um, there's a, you know, your, your organization has an annual rhythm, but there's yeah. a whole lot of ad hoc work that happens that's you know, what comes up rather than something that you can plan for. And that's different than an environment where you plan a certain level of call and you staff to that level of call volume and you have a standard of 30 minutes per call or something like that. The, the the ground rules are so different that that you hire different, and that thing about how you do that thing is is the world in which we're starting to have to make sense. This is the large consequence of automation. And you're going to bring us back from this event that you're going to the recruiting trends uh, event, and it's in Las Vegas. You said right. You're going to bring us back the newest information on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what people are doing, right? I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I may be bringing the newest information of that to the event. I, I don't know okay. uh, <laughs> how the learning is going to go, but but I'm excited about about being there. I'm doing a mega session on um, how to think about and execute intelligent tools in a recruiting environment, and so and so I'm looking forward to that. Very exciting. Recruiting well, trends and talent technology. Yeah, intelligent tools are definitely on the mind of a lot of organizations, but so is data privacy and so is regulations. And so we've got lots of the news this week to deal with all of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see I see in the in the stack that Google got fined fifty seven million dollars by the French data privacy body. Yeah. And so so it took slightly under a year for GDPR to start being in in a serious way and and if this doesn't scare the crap out of people who have sort of poo-pooed the importance of GDPR, it ought to. It should, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was one I think that was set up from the beginning. This was a, a 
France-based organizations, multiple, two versions of them that were built around the idea of really pushing the envelope. They've pushed the envelope under other regulations as well in the, in the uh, UK uh, for Facebook. But this one particularly fell under the GDPR regulations. It is not as much as it could be. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, because 57 million actually is really kind of a drop in the bucket for someone like Google. They were fined $5 billion not too long ago for some other uh, issues they had. So, I, I mean, I don't, this kind of is like a, is, is this like the beginning of what will happen? Is this where we're going to find some sort of small number that people are going to get fined? I don't know. But definitely this is focused on the fact that they felt like two major things that I saw was that in their perspective, Google did not give people an option to not use their data because basically they said, if you want to use our services, you have to allow us to use your data. And from the GDPR standards, or at least in the, in the essence of the GDPR standards, you have to be able to offer people something even if they are not going to give up their data as a useful tool. So that's an interesting, you know, this is the first time that's being pushed. They're also saying that they're making it too difficult, too many different places. So even though Google has outlined how you can change your advertising sort of algorithms, I guess, or the places where your, your data could be used for advertising, it's too many different locations, too hard to find too buried, and so they're considering that, again, a GDPR violation. So two areas that they're pushing back on on this GDPR thing. I, I mean, these are areas that we could definitely see HR systems and various, you know, recruiting technologies being ticked for, correct? Yeah, exactly. Later on in, later on in the pile, we've got GA introducing blockchain, and GA's a, a, um, a, a sort of a, an overlay and integration provider for SAP installations and and they're going to use chain to handle personal identifying information and and as i understand it you can't erase anything in blockchain and so they're gonna they're gonna run up against the same thing are they you know i think it's a question worth asking you know nga is partnering with gospel technology um, which was re- recently recognized as the Salesforce Ventures' first global investment in blockchain technology. So they're sort of this means they're connected in some way to what's going on with the Salesforce conversation around this as well. And they're piloting uh, with uh, Gospel Technology a secure data platform. Basically, they're going to be integrating an, at an architecture level an architectural element of the blockchain technology into NGA HR's platform tool. Now, NGA's platform tool, as you noted, is sort of a They've built around an on-premise SAP environment, but made it uh, somewhat of a cloud version. They're sort of building a, a wrapper around SAP. And yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure of the answer of what you're talking about. I mean, this is the first time I've, I've seen lots of blockchain conversations, but they're always standalone individual companies that say they're using blockchain for background checking or reference checking or for pay, you know, going into different countries and being able to access paychecks, third parties, right? This is the first time I've seen someone talking about it, integrating it into an architecture platform level. I'm not technical enough to know what that means, but they're saying that it's going to increase service efficiency and reduce the possibility of human error. And one of the reasons they're doing it, and that it will help with areas where there's heavy volume data, such as help desks and call centers. So I, I don't know. I think you're right. Yeah, that there's some real questions here about this and privacy. Yeah. Well, I think we're you know you know when we're not talking about intelligence. We're going to be talking about privacy. Yeah. yeah. The two go hand in hand. There's flip sides of the same coins, right? Well, at, at some right. point, we should definitely get a chance to talk to the NGA team because I would love to hear their perspective on, the, on you know, the idea. Because I know they were one of the early organizations. I can remember going to their analyst event before 
HR Tech uh, Europe or the Unleash event in Amsterdam two years ago, and they had already had a button in their system that would automatically click and you could sort of get rid of all of your personal information following GDPR regulations. So I don't know how this fits with it, but they were definitely an early um, organization dealing the, the work that needs to be done in this area. Wow. Okay. And now Kronos, who is something's happening at Kronos. I'm not sure I can tell you what it is, but 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 Kronos is not your parent time clock company anymore. No, I, I'd say the giant has awoken, if you want to call it, you know, go into fairy tales. I think Kronos was kind of sleepy for a while, and I, I don't think it was bad or good. I think they were just they were doing very well doing the business they were doing, and they have they have launched their cloud application and I think anybody else who's in the workforce management space needs to watch out, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that that these these people are taking intelligent tools very, very seriously and that's not the only game they're playing. They are also building out their ecosystem. And so the announcement today is that they are using SAP as a channel part. Yeah, so SAP selected workforce dimensions. This isn't just because Cronus has always been somewhat of a channel partner, I think, with, but it's always been their on-premise, the, the, their traditional versions, the pieces that didn't compete with any of the other sort of ERP elements on some level, right? But now SAP selected Workforce Dimension as its workforce management solution for customers with complex scheduling, time attendance, absence management, labor activities, workforce analytics requirements. And the integrated solution provides SAP customers with best-in-class workforce management capabilities. Now, I do wonder how this affects the other... I would say, player in the complex workforce management space. Um, not as big as Kronos, but just as deep in what they're providing, which is workforce software. So I don't know how this is going to affect, because they workforce software also had a very deep relationship with Kronos. And that, I think that's a question that needs to be answered as to, is this going to be a matter of competing workforce offerings? But both are third parties in partnership with SAP. It does not look like SAP has intentions to build out their own workforce management application at this point. That's interesting. That's interesting. So what else have we got here? We've got, oh, this is my favorite in the whole pile. Mark Hurd, who is the CEO of Oracle, says Oracle is going to have 50% of the app market, corporate app market. <laughs> now, we should note this was an interview, and you know the ERP vendors are all sort of fighting for space in various ways, but I think, you know, the, what, what uh, Mark heard was basically uh, heard to say is that there's no one organization right now who has more than a third of all of the application for the enter, at the enterprise level um, app. And he feels that his goal and Oracle's goal is to get 50%. So at this point, he's, he's basically saying, you know, right now, nobody's over the mid-20s and their percentage of adoption and ownership of the market. And he's making putting a stake in the ground and saying we're going to get 50. So, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of business in the market and a lot that's continuously churning. I mean, our data says that ever even after organizations move to the cloud, like they transform, they're out of on-premise, they're out of some of the older technologies, there's still a 15% churn rate on an annual basis of all HR technology. Could someone get 50% right now of the entire market? Maybe, I don't know. That, that's a lot to, to say you're going to get, right? Well, so, so after I stop laughing, right? Because this is a this is really, there. There is something to be said about Oracle's key expertise, and from my perspective, Oracle's key expertise is they can they can keep track of more different kinds of 
configurations of stuff than any other group of human beings I've ever met. And, and they have to be able to do that because their, their product portfolio is vast and complicated. And yeah. so you meet at Oracle, you meet a kind of person that I don't meet anywhere else. And these people who can tell you what the, where the same function is across 15 different iterations of 10 different products. It's it's amazing. It's kind of like a super librarian syndrome <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And so, so if he was, you know, now you look at the you look at the market that I'm looking at, which is all these new intelligent apps, and there are, I think, I think we're forecasting that the 1,200 providers of these things by the end of 2019. Yeah. And you go well, well, what the world needs is somebody who can say how all these things go together, and is that is something that Oracle is uniquely suited to do. So on the one hand, 50% market share in corporate apps with these little tiny things is ambitious. There, there are not many companies as well situated as Oracle is to actually do it. Yeah. And, and I think that the key term there is corporate. I mean, you know, it's interesting because if you look at, at who has the bulk of what we would say is, is cloud deployments now, if you're looking at this as a cloud conversation and not just an on-premise, although I think that's going to be changing a little bit. There is a shift back in some cases, I think, to not, not on-premise as it was, but to sort of the next generation of whatever on-premise is going to be, the virtualized on-premise model, all those kind of things, right? But I, but I do think that you know, if you're looking at transformed, consumerized HR technology, right? I mean, at one point in time, we would have easily said, you know, PeopleSoft probably held the largest adoption number with SAP right behind them, right? And the two were competing with about, in the numbers originally were in the range of about 12,000 companies each that they sort of held. That You always saw that number as sort of the height of their adoption in an on-premise environment. Today, I can tell you, I mean, we're looking at several of these sort of what we consider mid-market or tier two vendors. We're easily reaching 6,000 individual employees or not, individual organizations who are in their cloud applications. And if you look at the numbers under organizations like ADP or Paycheck, that's way out of those numbers. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you get 50% of the market. And is he just talking corporate market in large global complex organizations, which I think makes a lot of sense, or are they also talking the little guys, right? The kind of organizations that Paychex and you know, ADP um, hold sway in with 600,000 plus organizations, right? Yeah, well, the, you know, the trend towards decentralization is away from market consolidation and the complexity and the fact that that it's it's really hard if you are an HR tech leader to imagine where you're going that for some level of consolidation. So so we're going to have fun watching these forces <laughs> shake the market a little bit. Yeah, I just I personally think of that we're going to see that quote used in a lot of ways, good and bad for market from his competitors. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. We also are seeing some acquisitions continuing to happen right now. So you'll probably get a little bit more insight on this when you go next week, but or in the next uh, couple of weeks. But CareerBuilder has picked up a new acquisition. Now, they, they kind of buried the acquisition in an announcement they were doing more art, artificial intelligence and investing more in artificial intelligence. But then you sort of pop up that they have acquired TextKernel. Now, TextKernel is one of the, the larger resume-sparsing technologies, correct? Um, do you know why they've, They've married this up so strongly with the AI conversation for CareerBuilder. 
Well, so so here's my take. I, I actually have a note out to the people because I want to know their version of the story. But they've had an investment in Texas Colonel for years. Okay. So anytime you career builder event, the text kernel people were there showing you their super duper technology. And, and the people at text kernel are quite amazing. I, I believe that what's happened, career builder realized that in the absence of an AI story, their claim to be a software company was sounding sillier all the time. And so, so they sort of bit the bullet and bought the rest of text kernel. Uh, um, yeah. And now, you know, they're in the hands of a private equity company, and the job is to realize the claim that, that Career Builder was starting to make some years back that they're actually a fully integrated software company, which is, you know, a long way to come if you're a job board at heart. And yeah, so this yeah. is, this is a, a, a big move in the direction of having an end-to-end recruiting solution. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting that, you know, the artificial intelligence piece is tied to what they do with Text Kernel. To me that's you know, when you get more information on that, that will be interesting to see. Has Text Kernel done anything more <laughs> in their AI side? I mean we know that resume work seems to be a place where a lot of organizations are doing artificial intelligence, correct? That's right. That's right. And and you know, you can you can take from the name Text Kernel that that what they're doing is is complex natural language processing for matching and search purposes. But, you know, in, in any decent end application, there's a lot of different forms of search that you need to do. So you can imagine a broad integration across all of the recruiting uh, universe for text kernel as part of the game plan here. Yeah, yeah and that would definitely be interesting to see. Well, well, we'll hear more in a few weeks. Other things that are happening is that iSolved HCM of Charlotte, North Carolina has acquired, this is sort of interesting, they've acquired the Sage Group's U.S.-based payroll services business. So now, Sage has been making a bit of a noise about their investment in their HR technologies, and they had picked up a couple of, of different technologies to, you know, enhance what they were doing. But it looks like they're getting rid of their services side of their business, which is the, the Sage Group payroll. And that includes more than 44,000 small to mid-sized businesses, which will extend ISOV's technology to more than 145,000 employers. So the, there's, there's some big numbers here from an outsourcing PEO, you know, kind of a thing that goes on here. But, you know, we're going to see more consolidation like this. I mean, have you done any in, investigation in what's going on with the stage people technology? And is, is this going to have an impact on their technology or is this just getting rid of the services side, which is, is not where they want to be at, which we saw with a lot of the other guys. I think this boils down to streamlining and focusing, yeah. right? And 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 so so I'm not sure I'm not sure I'd ever want to give up a payroll business. That's that's like printing money. <laughs> and, yeah. and so so sure, I'm not sure I understand why you ever get out of a business where you've got forty four thousand customers. Don't don't. Don't understand that unless what they're doing is dropping anything that has to do with the small end of the market to focus on larger enterprises that have more robust human capital management problems to solve. Um, I mean, I know they're investing heavily and they've acquired a few HRS sort of applications 
but I my sense is, is that Sage isn't doing a really good job of figuring out what their story is, right? Um, and they have a they have a big story in the finance space and not as big a story in the HR space. And this makes it even murkier for me. So, um, you know, they've been an organization I've sort of touched base with, but never have gotten some real clear data on. It would be interesting to hear where their story is around this and that. You don't get their story. You get ISOL's story, which is good. They, they felt very excited about what they're doing. Yeah, I, I think what, what you're seeing at Sage is something that's going to be interesting as soon as they get the dust off off of it so it's like it's like a retail store that drapes on the windows while they're putting in the fixtures for the new thing that's going to be there yeah, under construction yep <laughs> under construction, so yeah. so last bit that last bit i think this was funny because uh, you know over the last week or 10 days i've been getting all sorts of for people who wanted to know why IBM was killing off Watson. <laughs> My CEO asked me this, and I'm like, what? Wait. <laughs> yes. So, so can we answer the question, is IBM killing Watson, John? <laughs> I, you know what? You know, I, I, I think they would need a lot of wooden stakes to pound in its heart to kill it off. So, so, so it would be a momentous project to kill off Watson, and has not delivered on its promise. It absolutely has not delivered on its promise. But this news is that IBM's pretentious attempt to go into the market and be slack held. And so the and so they're pulling the plug on it. Yeah, they're killing Watson workspace, which is what they called it. Um, um it's gonna close down next month, so it's like immediate. I doubt they have a lot of people who are using it, because usually if you have at least a number of people using it. I think they gave it away for free for a while, and they released the beta in 2016. It is, it, this is, but I, but I do wonder that we have now seen maybe three, four big, I'd say, Watson failures, things that they attached Watson's name to that I would say is called failures, right? I almost feel like they, um, you know, I almost feel bad for Watson, like he's been jaded, like, <laughs> you know, that the cancer work that they were doing, I think that went south, the work they were doing with Skillsoft in the early days that that went south, they were never able to kind of come up with the, the ultimate path for learning out of that work. I think there were a couple others I, that I can't remember at this point in time where they struggled. You know, is, is it a fact they just put Watson's name on everything and does that cause the problem here? Or well, or is it that they just didn't know how to architect it? Yeah. That's part of it. You know, you know, for a million years, IBM had the reputation that you couldn't get fired for buying IBM, yeah. right? That was, was the envy of every salesperson in the whole world was IBM's reputation. You simply couldn't get fired for buying IBM. I believe they've um, ended that legacy uh, with Watson uh, because yeah. Watson fails. And when something like Watson fails, careers get compromised. That's what, what you know, when your technology provider screws up and can't deliver, or pulls the plug. This is this is Google's problem in the market as well. Google routinely pulls the plug on stuff with little concern for the consequences on its customers, and and you can't do that in the enterprise business. No, no you have to have something that 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 has a a roadmap and a strategy that feels like it's going to keep going forward, especially in the cloud business. You know, I think this might have been somewhat easier in on-premise because in an on-premise world, 
you, I mean, I know many people who held on to Lotus Notes for a very long time, long right. past the time when it was being invested in, because it was, you know, you could, uh, in your system, you didn't have to change anything. You didn't have to, you know, great, they didn't put any more updates or fixes out, but it's still there, right? I think there might be still some support for it, even in areas. But yeah. um, the most damning thing here is that IBM is not offering any advice about a migration path. Yeah. Right. So they're just turning it off. And when, when they were asked uh, whether or not uh, other IBM products could be used in, they said, well, n- not really. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, oh, yeah, that, that money you spent, well, kiss it goodbye. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing I think, you know, in this new world we're entering into, you know, you know this could sort of fail-fast concept was definitely grown out of the, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks and all those. But I also think that there's real danger in that from a brand perspective if you don't have at least a couple of wins within those fail-fast moments, right? Like, you can't continually hit, you know, that many strikes and still be seen as an organization that I, that I want to do business with, right? Yeah, I think fail-fast probably isn't an enterprise-scale motto. Yeah. Right, because cause if I... If I put my company in your hands in this particular aspect, and then you walk away and leave me holding the bag, that's you're going to fail fast, but perhaps not in the way you originally intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The, the notion that an enterprise company stops supporting its customers on his notice is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And so that's a bad world. Yeah, it happens all the time in the cloud world. Oh, uh, yeah. It may be the cloud world for companies that don't get very big, but big companies can't do that. They shouldn't do that, yeah. Well, well that was a little bit of a sobering fact to end the, the uh, week. Yeah. But what a great conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the industry is hopping, and we didn't even get to Glassdoor's broad international expansion. We'll get there next week. Yeah. We should get there next week, yeah, because along with that, there's some, some other news around Glassdoor, and we also didn't get to talking about um, what's going on with Ceridian. They've got some new updates as well as Skillsoft launching a new digital learning journeys, but those are things we can definitely talk about next week. So great stuff this week. Yeah. All right, Stacy. Thanks for doing this again. It was a great conversation, and thanks, everybody, for listening in. This has been HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. See you next week. Bye, everyone.